Hi, I'm Tony Hines, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. Now, in today's episode, I want to talk about systems thinking for supply chain management and how important that approach is to planning, structuring, and shaping your supply chain. great episode today coming up on systems thinking. And this is a special episode for anyone who wants to understand supply chains by thinking about them as a supply system. So stay tuned. When we think of anything beyond ourselves, we think about how we might connect or be interconnected with those other things outside of our own immediate vicinity. And we often think of those connections as part of a system. It could be a factory system, an education system, a health system, a legal system. It could be a geographical system. It could be a biological system. It could be social systems. And if you give a little thought to the way the whole world is interconnected, we interconnect with physical things and we interconnect with other people. And we do so both physically and digitally. So when we think of a supply system, for example, a supply system promotes the idea that there is a system, that supply is part of a system. And things we purchase, procure, work on, manufacture, distribute, and sell are part of an economic system. So they're not only part of a supply system, but they're part of a broader economic system and, of course, a social system that we all belong to and are part of. There are, of course, many complexities involved in the system, and we need to find ways to understand the system and how systems are interconnected in themselves. So, for example, how does the economic system fit into the social system or into the environmental system or other systems that we're part of and connected to? Fortunately, our discussion here can be contained into the supply chain system and the wider economic system to which it relates. But I'm going to discuss some thinking tools and ways of thinking about the interconnections in the system that may help organisations think about their own part in that system and the strategies that can improve not only the system, but the ways of working within the system. What we are about to discuss is a scientific way to think about the system. And I take a lead here when we talk about systems thinking from both Peter Chuckland, who identified systems thinking in his work and gave many practical examples, and also he cited Einstein to talk about what thinking is. What precisely is thinking? When at the reception of sense impressions, memory, pictures emerge. This is not yet thinking. And when such pictures form stories, each member of which calls forth another, this too is not yet thinking. When, however, a certain picture turns up in many such series, then precisely through such returns, it becomes an ordering element for such series. 
such an element becomes an instrument, a concept. I think that transition from free association or dreaming to thinking is characteristic by more or less dominating roles which the concept plays in it. And that comes from Einstein. So systems thinking makes us conscious of the particular concept of wholeness that we envisage in the word system. And we order our thoughts through system practice. So the product of thinking, the output from thinking, is to initiate a guide to action in the world. And I think that's very important to think about the system generating thoughts that lead to action. And that's what we were talking about in the session on change and learning when I talked about action learning. So there are some great similarities here and some ideas that we can employ from that session within this one. Now let's take a leap from the previous discussion about systems and assume that we understand what the system is. And now we're going to think about our own reality about working in supply chains. So in that reality, we'll have concerns, there'll be issues, there'll be problems emerging, and we'll have plans on how we might want to change things. But before that, we'll have ideas. And those ideas come from what we read, from people we talk to, from what we see and observe, and from our experience. And from that, we'll have some understanding of the way things work. So our ideas turn into theories. And this isn't an academic exercise. This is our theory as an individual about the way we understand the system and what we think is actually taking place. So we'll develop a theory about it. And from that theory, we may see problems present themselves, which relate to the theory we have in our heads. And those problems that emerge will have some application from our theoretical perspective about how it works, how we can use a model to change what's happening. And there may be techniques that we can employ. And those theories, models and techniques turn into our methodology to find a new theory. And then on we go. But we gather evidence to change our mind about the system, about the theory and how to intervene in any system. And so this way of thinking is very essential to the way we think about supply chain systems. And I'll explain further. Now, I've already said it's not grand theory that we're interested in, but practical theory in the sense. I know it seems like an oxymoron, a complete contrast of terms, but I'm talking about practice theory here. So, for example, in a supply chain, if we look at the flow of materials in that supply chain and we see a pattern emerging that says on the third week of every production cycle, there is a shortage of a particular stock unit that slows the production down. Then we would investigate and we would find the reasons why that's possibly happening. And that reasoning could lead to a theory in our own minds of why it's happening. There might be competing theories. In the third week of the cycle, one of our suppliers always has a particular supply issue. It might be a labour working practice. It might be a holiday season. But it changes the nature of the recurring problem. So that's one theory. It could be holidays interfering with supply. It could be that the demand is going up elsewhere. And therefore, about the third week of every month, they reallocate their supplies to different customers. So they change the cycle. Perhaps that's the start of their new planning cycle. 
and that's another theory about it. So we could have these competing theories until we narrow the evidence down to find a theory that we think is good and then we could confirm or disconfirm that particular theory. And that's our scientific approach to understanding the supply chain system in a nutshell. We can refer back to the general systems theorists who talked about developing systems and they were mainly concerned with the principles, to establish principles about a system and to understand those principles to develop a system. But it was grand theory in a sense. They were not concerned with the practical application of anything, but wanted theoretical knowledge about the system and its behavior. But most of us in our work and in our daily lives want to know how the system impacts our lives and how we can interact with the system to make a better life or to improve a system for our benefit. And that's where practical application comes in. And it's that second order of system that I'm concerned with here. Another important factor in our discussion is that of recurring problems. In working life, we get many problems and they don't just occur once, they come back. So for example, if we've got a problem with inventory or inventory flows, that can be a recurring problem. It's a recurring problem in many different organisations. You may have a promotion on, and that puts peaks and troughs into the flow of goods coming through your organisation's supply chains, and it disrupts what's going on through the amplification of demand signals going through the system. And that means that we have a problem. But we won't just experience that problem once. It will happen again at some future occasion. And that's why supply chains are so interesting. Because we will have experience to tackle a problem that we've experienced before. But it might not be exactly the same nature. And the solution might not be exactly the same. It might require some different application. What will help us deal with it, of course, is a way of thinking. And that way of thinking is what many call systems thinking, to think about the impact in the system and to think about how you can improve the system in some particular way to overcome the problem. Let's just take some time out to summarise what we've talked about so far. We've talked about, one, the idea of connectedness, interconnections and systems. And system describes something as a whole. And we are part of a whole, or the different aspects of the system are part of the whole. But of course, there isn't just one overarching system. There may be subsystems that link in to the whole system. So for example, the economic system is part of the whole system. The social system is that part of the whole system with human relations, or with animal relations. And we'll break down subjects to study each aspect and particular parts of a system. In a business, we have different parts of the system. And one very important part of the system is, of course, the supply chain system, which we're talking about here. Secondly, we're not concerned wholly with general principles here. What we're concerned with is how we can study a system and look at the recurrence of problems in a system and find ways to solve problems. And you may not just solve the problem once and once and for all because change occurs in the system. It occurs by what the parts in the system do to change those interactions in the system. 
So, for example, if the nature and structure of the economic world changes, so too does the system. And you can think about that on a grander scale as capitalism, feudalism, and so on. We all use the word system in our everyday conversations, but how many of us think about what we mean by the word system? A system suggests that something is organised as opposed to chaos. And for most of us in our working lives, we work inside a system. That might be a capitalist system, an economic system, a business system, an industrial system, a service system. Supply chains, of course, are part of a system. They're part of business, they're part of economics, and the relationships that they have are with other systems, some of which are social systems and some of which are technical systems through digital exchange and interaction. When we set about looking at problems in a supply chain and we have to investigate, we begin by structuring the problem that we're facing. And we might have a a notepad on which we jot down the nature of the problem and all the things that we think initially are affecting the problem. And then we'll set about gathering some data about the problem to look at the size, the shape, the scale and the very nature of that problem. And we'll have to find out who can help us in our quest. And that might be records, people, digital systems and other forms of data, some of which might be our own observations or observations of others that we talk to in the process and other forms of qualitative data through conversations with people. So not only do we gather facts and numbers on things, but we also gather qualitative data about the nature of the problem. Perhaps the most important question is, what are the implications for systems practice if we use systems thinking? Well, first of all, let's distinguish between hard systems thinking, which is about cause and effect, and we're focused on structure, whereas in soft systems, we're thinking about human interaction. And so it's not just about mechanical parts in a system, or just the numbers, it's about the interactions, and it's about the conversations, and it's about the theme under investigation. The method or the process from which to understand systems thinking is well established, as Peter Chakland pointed out. And we think of a mnemonic called CATWO, C-A-T-W-O-E. So both within or without the system, the C stands for customers. And these are the beneficiaries of the system. Within the system itself, we have the actors, the A of the system, the agents who carry out or cause something to occur in the system, especially transformation, which is the T of the system. The W stands for Weltanschauung. It comes from the German for world view, an outlook, a framework or image that makes the particular root definition meaningful. And it's possible to have more than just one W. There could be two or three. But for the purpose of coherent system thinking, a separate root definition should be formulated for each. The O stands for the ownership of the system. Whose prime concern is this system? Who actually owns it? Who has the power that can change the system, cause it to cease or continue in existence? 
and the E stands for the environment in which the system is located. So we have clients, actors, worldview, owners, and environment. Worldview, of course, is Weltanschauung. And we apply this system, which was developed by Checkland, to understand the system. Checkland had a great deal of experience, both as a scientist and both as an analyst and consultant involved in exploring organizational decisions. So it might have begun life in engineering terms from this hard view of the world, but it morphed into this soft systems view, which is useful in organizations with humans involved, with people involved. It's a problem-solving approach. So when we think of the client and the client profile, we need to understand what kind of benefits they have, their interests, the preferences, the budget involved in a practical sense, and any other pertinent facts. The actors are all the, the players involved in the system. All the world's a stage, as they say. But in this case, it's the system that's the stage for these actors. So that might be the CEO in the organisation, different board members, directors. It could be the management team, it could be the sales team. It might be people working on the line. It depends on the focus that we're looking at. The transformation is the process that moves the company from one position to another position. So what the company does, is it a manufacturing company? Does it process information? Is it a service organization? But what is the transformation taking place in the system? The worldview is the view that fits with the company's view of how the world is shaped, influenced and behaves in given circumstances. And the owner of the problem is the person whose key responsibility it is and who has the focus on the problem. The owner, of course, could be the beneficiary too. And the final part of the CATWO, the environmental aspects, focuses on the organisation itself, any policies, any particular strengths, weaknesses, opportunities or threats faced by the organisation and how they show themselves and emerge. So what we have here is a systematic way to understand the system in the CATWO. An, exam an example might be a client who wants a particular product from our organisation, provides a specification and says, can we do something of this nature for them? So they give us a task to perform. So they're the client, they're the beneficiary. And in the system, we have the various agents that make that happen. So we might have the production team led by a production director and maybe designers who put the project together to make it work. And they're transforming an idea and raw materials and work in progress into this finished product for that customer or that client. And the worldview might be we provide quality and service at an affordable price. So that might be the overview of the organisation. That's what it always attempts to do. Value service at an affordable price. And let's say the owners of the problem in this situation that we've identified are the project team tasked with making this particular client's product. The environmental considerations, of course, could be the various opportunities that we have to do more business with the company. There might be particular threats from other competitors. There might be particular 
sustainability issues that we have in the disposal of materials at the end of life of the product and those sort of things that we bring into play when we're looking at this particular system. And there we have Catwo in an example. So you can begin to see how systems thinking can inform system practice if done properly within a supply chain. And it could be a very useful tool to understand the system and the various interplay and interactions in that system to arrive at not just a better understanding, but an improved performance and action outcome. The approach taken by systems thinking has affinity with what I was talking about in the episode on learning and change when I talked about action learning. Because in such a situation, using the CatWo approach fits very nicely with action learning to understand what's going on. And so you might want to go back and revisit that episode just to pick up on the action learning. Well, that's it for this episode on systems thinking. And I hope you found it useful and interesting. And I hope you'll be able to perhaps apply some systems thinking in your own organization to improve your supply chain to get that supply chain advantage. You've been listening to Chain Reaction, all about supply chain advantage. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off and I'll see you next time. Bye for now. Chain Reaction was written, presented and produced by Tony Hines. Hi, I'm Tony Hines. I'm here to tell you about the Chain Reaction podcast, all about supply chain advantage. I've been researching and writing about supply chains for over 25 years. I wrote my first book on supply chain strategies in the early 2000s. Each week we have special episodes on particular topics relating to supply chains and we have a weekly news roundup every Saturday at 12 noon. All things impacting global supply chains in that week. So come and join us on the Chain Reaction Podcast. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now.